0: Welcome to the Wickedly Smart Women podcast, featuring stellar conversations with emerging and established wickedly smart women. Thanks for joining us today as we celebrate the wickedly smart women who are committed, care deeply, and have the courage to take action and create change all around the world. Now here's your host, Emerald Green Forest.
1: Welcome to another episode of the Wickedly Smart Women podcast, where we celebrate wickedly smart women and provide our listeners with a wealth of wisdom, along with immediately actionable steps to be smarter, spunkier, and more successful in their impact and their leadership. This is your host, Emerald Greenforest, and today we welcome our special guest, Heidi Forbes, host. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Heidi is a digital well-being and ethics advisor, best-selling author of Digital Self-Mastery Series, executive producer and host of Evolving Digital Self-Mastery Series, global citizen, and passionate humanist. Passionate about family, well-being, and leaving the world a better place for future generations. And I have a personal relationship as well with Heidi, and it's just such a pleasure to have you here on the show. Thank you so much for coming.
2: Thank you. It's an honor to be here.
1: So here's what we're going to do today, Heidi. We're going to dive in a little bit, and we're going to talk about how smart you are because you're one of the most wickedly smart women I know. And I want to talk to you about how you... Uh, have applied your smarts in your life to create a business and a podcast and all the wonderful things that you have created, like what inspired you? What is kind of your guiding light that allowed you to apply yourself and create so much success?
2: I would say there's a couple different factors. One, and probably this is the most important one, is curiosity. And that has sort of driven me to want to learn more and to figure out how things all fit together. I'm a bridge builder and I just love to be able to make the connections between solutions and problems and people that can make those solutions occur. So sometimes it means digging deeper and learning more. Sometimes it means finding the people that know the answers and connecting them to the solutions. But I just love... Finding ways to make that happen. And because of the nature of the way my life has evolved, in that I've lived all over the world, predominantly in the Western world, uh, so mostly Europe and the US, but even so, it has really developed a global network for me. So it's given me this beautiful access to lots of different sources of knowledge and types of perspectives and answers to try to find solutions that maybe other people hadn't approached before. So long answer to short question, but I would say those are sort of my main driving factors. And it really just comes down to people, passion and curiosity.
1: Beautiful. I love that. So you're a leader. I mean, I really see you as a leader. So this curiosity, you know, some people could have their curiosity and follow their curiosity and just be gathering information or gathering experiences, but you've chosen to really step into a leadership role. So would you say that you have had any calling in that regard and maybe where that came from and whether you had some kind of incident in your life where you overcame something or just a family environment that inspired you to be in service. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, what brought you, what called you into leadership?
2: Well, I would say there's sort of two factors. And as you, it's interesting you mentioned family there. I think the culture of my family, I grew up in an old New England family that was very much focused on, you know, having a good education and serving your community and finding ways to leave the world a better place And even, you know, sort of that principle of if you go to a place, you never arrive empty-handed, you always bring a gift, and you always leave the space in a better shape than when you arrived. And really, I've carried that through in my work and everything that I do, or I try to at least uh, honor that as much as possible. But the other piece is that I've just been really fortunate to have my curiosity being supported in ways that I was able to really pursue some things that were very cutting edge at an early age just because of the network that I had access to. So I was working with some very early stage uh, education technology think tanks back in the 90s where we were playing with some of the technologies that weren't even out on the market yet. And as a result, that led me into a position where I was way ahead in the technology space, and was sort of recruited into different uh, think tank groups and to different environments where I was brought in as a thought leader and was able to sort of be the one that drove the conversation in the room or at least gathered the people to have that conversation. So it led me to a space where I was, you know, being part of conversations in the European Commission, for example, where we were having conversations about sort of the future of the internet, and what does this mean, and whether commerce was even going to occur on the internet, and was it just an academic tool? This obviously was back in the 90s. This was a very different conversation. But the thing is, this same kind of conversation has continued to evolve. It's just that with each new platform, with each new evolution of technology, there's different sort of specific questions, but the general theme is still there, is what does all of this mean for us? How does it impact humanity? What kinds of things do we need to take into consideration so that it can be an enhancement to what we already have rather than becoming something that sort of creates chaos and and causes disruption? And disruption is always going to occur, but how can we do it with at least minimal friction? And so I've been very fortunate to have been able to sort of follow that path and I spent about 25 years teaching and working as a consultant and sort of teaching leadership and things like that around social strategy, using technologies and organizations. And sort of got to a place where I was like, okay, I've been teaching the same thing for years and years and years, and it's not really changing that much. It's not exciting to me anymore. But it was also, there was a lot of other people that were coming into that space, and I kind of felt like, well, my thought leadership isn't needed here anymore. What's needed is an understanding of the underlying reasons for why this is all happening. Because there wasn't a lot of data. There was a lot of, you know, qualitative data, a lot of stories and a lot of... You know, it was all sort of the soft skills, but in order to really get people to understand the importance of uh, the human factor of technology, needed to really go back a step and understand the science behind it. So I actually went back to do my PhD to really understand that piece. And since then, I've been really much more working on sort of the human relationship with technology, how we can evolve that relationship, how it's impacting the way we're developing new tools, and how to actually really develop things with a well-being mindset so that we're not creating things that are going to be destructive to both our well-being but also society in general, and also looking at how we're using behavioral science ethically in that process. So anyway, it's been sort of a natural evolution, but it's been sort of gathering new skills as I go along, but I've been, it really was based on sort of the culture of where I came from and that it was about connecting people and ideas and being curious and, and pursuing things as they sort of came across my path.
1: So one piece out of that that I really would love to dive in a little bit deeper on is really around personal power in a time and in a industry in particular where wickedly smart women were probably in the minority. And so I'd love to have you speak about your own experiences, maybe with your own personal power showing up powerfully in a space with other people who may or may not respect you for your smarts, also, if you had any struggles, you know, do you have any strategies of, that you applied to allow yourself to really flourish in a more male-dominated industry, for sure?
2: Absolutely, I would say sort of there's two different environments where you know, they were very much dominated. Just certainly in the tech sector, I was often one of the only women at the table in a lot of conversations, but also in the leadership space, A lot of the time, even, you know, when I was, you know, in that think tank group with the European Commission, I was the only woman in the room and I was the youngest woman in the room and I was, you know, or the youngest person in the room because I was this, you know, MBA student that was brought in by my professor who said, she's the one that we need in this conversation to tell us about the state of the internet. So I was often brought in as this sort of outside factor and uh, one of the hardest Experiences that I had, but probably one of the ones that I grew the most from was at one point I was brought in to do the international marketing strategy for this German software company. And I was fresh out of my MBA program, brought into this engineering based German company. I had basically everything going against me. I was the only American, I was the only woman. I was brought in at a senior level and here I was this, you know, young professional woman that was brought in at a senior level and you've got all these people that have been there for a really long time and they're sort of, you know, backpedaling and not going anywhere and I was in marketing in an engineering firm. You know, engineering and tech. So I, you know, sort of the, I instantly was like it was perceived as this outsider coming in that you know where could I provide value, and I think the most important thing that I learned from that whole experience was identifying where your unique value is and focusing a hundred percent on that and not letting all the other stuff get in the way and become a distraction because as soon as I could show my value to them, where they really you know, the moment they had, they went through one of my trainings and had that aha moment of, oh, so this is what we do and this is why we do it and why all these pieces come together so that they as a workforce could actually be excited about what they were doing so they became the marketing tool for the organization. Then they recognized my value. But it, it was six months of banging my head against a wall to try to figure out how to get that because to get the information, to get, I had to basically interview every single person in that organization to understand what their little widget was, because it was, they were all working in their little silos. And again, you know, six months of frustration to get out on the other end and see all of the light bulbs go on when we did that first workshop. And then they were like, oh, now we know what you've been doing in that room. And oh, and I was I was a non smoker, which in Germany at that time, this is, this has great significance because the building that we were in was in this structure that sort of had an atrium in the center, and my office had big glass windows looking towards the atrium, and on the other side, on the you know we were fifth floor, on the other side was the smoking room, the smoking break room, so they would all sit there in the smoking room watching me in my little room that I had like, you know, I'm very visual. So my walls were covered with drawings and, and mind maps and everything. And they were like, that woman's crazy. (laughs) Completely nuts
1: oh beautiful well we'll, Um, when we come back from the break we're going to talk a little bit about creativity and channeling your creativity that's a perfect segue (laughs) to the next segment but right now i want to thank all of our listeners who are downloading rating and reviewing we are welcoming thousands of downloads from all over the world and i want to shout out this week to our listeners in new england because we're both new england girls so uh yeah thank you listeners and we will be right back in just a moment with Heidi Forbes host.
0: The Wickedly Smart Women podcast is brought to you by the Creative Age Consulting Group. Women, are you ready for a big revenue breakthrough so you can stop working like a man and being paid like a woman? Are you ready to take the leap and go deep to claim your value and convert your wisdom to wealth? is now the time to fulfill your mission and change the world. Creative Age Consulting Group is hired by women just like you who want to break through to their brilliance and be heard by millions while building a sustainable business model that makes bank. Please visit apply.wealthylifemethod.com to apply for an invitation-only consultation. If you have been inspired to receive support in welcoming wealth by making your most heartfelt contribution to the world, be sure to apply for a consultation today. Once again, that is apply.wealthylifemethod.com or click in the link in the show notes to access the application.
1: All right. We are back with Heidi Forbes-Ost. She is the executive producer and host of Evolving Digital Self podcast. And you can find out more about her by tuning into that show. And Heidi, where else can they go to find out a little bit more about you? If they want to either hire you to come in and run some workshops for them, or if they would like to host you to speak, where else can people find out a little bit more about you?
2: sure i'm pretty much everywhere on um, social on you know on the internet as uh, forbes Ostie. it's f o r b e s o s t e dot com or at forbes Ostie. pretty much if you search for forbes Ostie, i'm the only one there is so you can't miss me i also my my company is to balance you and that's the number two balance the letter u dot com so there's a little bit of separation there because I do some collaboration with other people through To Balance You, and I have a, a few other segments that I do, but uh, you can find me either way and would love to hear what people are up to and, and how, we can, how we can support them better with uh, making sure that we look a lot more at digital well-being as a, as a factor in the future.
1: Great. And there's a note to self to make sure that you have the pronunciation of your guest's last name. Correct. Oh, well, it's
2: actually Usta, but we don't have the two dots over it. Uh, okay, Est-
1: okay. okay. Yeah. awesome. All right. Well, let's talk about channeling creativity. You know, most mm-hmm. of the wickedly smart women, and I'm using our New England accent there, wickedly smart. Wicked. <laughs> Wicked smart. Most of those wicked smart women that I know are also wickedly creative. So can you talk about your own creative process and how you channel your creativity in productive and cash flowing ways?
2: Well, you know, it's interesting. So, I mean, I come from a family of, as I mentioned, there's a lot of academics, but there's also a lot of artists and I actually, in my early stages, thought that I was going to be a singer-songwriter and and uh, did my stint in Nashville and did that whole thing. And always wondered how I was going to integrate that into my work. And what I've found is that there's different ways that it comes out. And it's something about turning 50 where I'm like, I just don't, you know, give a blank anymore. And I'm like, okay, I'm just going to use this. And so it's you know using things like when i'm speaking using poetry to uh, to help people relate to things it's while i was doing my uh, my phd i used a lot of graphic facilitation and strategic visualization as a teaching tool which is actually extremely powerful because people process images much better than they do words and you know, whether it's audio or whether it's, uh, you know, whether it's just text, you have to hit, if you're trying to really teach complex concepts, you need to hit them from all different learning angles. So the, um, you know, really understanding how you can use the different creative arts and the, the visual arts for teaching and for learning is really a very powerful tool. And also just being sensitive to the fact that other people's sensitivities and in some ways, it's everything from what kinds of colors are you using? And how are you expressing things that might be counter to your messaging? And sometimes if we, you know, if we don't take care of that, it can actually be very counterproductive for our business and for our ability to really grow. And it's something that can be really simple, whether it's a, an image we use or a color scheme that we use. It may just send the wrong messaging. So it's just being mindful of that and being aware of how we can use those creative tools to get to a much deeper and more trusting relationship with the clients that we're working with in our potential clients and market.
1: Beautiful. So the one piece in there that I really want to just highlight and also go a little bit deeper on that I'd love to have you share with our women listeners around the world is You said, you know, I turned 50 and I finally just said, I'm just going to use this. (laughs) So if there was something that you could say to your 20-year-old self or your 30-year-old self or your 40-year-old self or any of the listeners who are listening right now that would help them to unleash, you know, whatever restraints they have put on themselves on using their creativity and not just using their creativity, but using all the gifts that they have, what would you tell them, Heidi?
2: Oh gosh. Well, first of all, as a 20 year old, I don't think I would have listened to my 50 year old. So I be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I will try. <laughs> yeah. I would say, you know, follow your heart and follow your heart, but use your brain. You know, it, it's not about necessarily building boundaries. I've never been one that's very good at, at coloring within the lines anyway, but I think sometimes I let my head get the better of me, and I didn't follow my heart, and now I'm much more heart-driven. And that's not just about being soft, it's also being kind to myself. It's not about just being sort of the mushy soft school skills things, it's recognizing the hard value of the soft skills, and recognizing the importance of self-care and personal development in that process. And allowing yourself to make mistakes, My father recently passed away and we were joking about sort of what are those expressions that he always used to say that drove us nuts, but just ring in your brain all the time. And one of them that was my favorite was, did you learn anything? And my mother said, you know, when I, I said, well, did you learn anything? And she's like, oh, but did you take that as like, he was criticizing what you were doing? And I said, no, not at all. My perception of when he said, did you learn anything was you know, it's okay to make mistakes as long as you learn something from it. And for me, that was really what empowered me to continue to make mistakes and learn from them and to to take chances and take risks. Now, risks within reason, obviously, you know, you don't want to be doing stupid things. You still got to use your head. But I think, You know, and and that's where that piece of like being kind to yourself is also really important. If it's at the detriment of others or to yourself, it's probably not a good idea. But if you can do it by while minimizing the risk, go for it.
1: Mm, Beautiful. What that speaks to is valuing your vision, like the head and the heart together. I feel, you know, both have to be in alignment in service to a bigger vision for your life. And can I'd like to have you speak to you know what processes you use or might suggest to women to help them to to really value their own vision and really take either baby steps towards it or giant leaps or some combination of both.
2: Hmm. I would say there's there's a couple different things, and I, I think uh, one thing that is extremely important that I'm finding. I haven't done enough of and I you know want to do more I want to going forward I want to do more of and that is utilizing my peeps and by that I mean really recognizing those people that love me for who I am will call me on my my bull and but will also support me when I fall and just recognizing their value to me whether they're in my industry or not Just knowing that, you know, there's people that are, you know, that are so important to me that I've spent too much time being busy to really utilize that resource as much as I should and and to be that resource as much as I should. And so that's something that I'm really trying to do more of as I go forward into the second half of this century for me, and and uh, so I would say that's a really big one for me. The way that
1: you increase your capacity to value your own vision is I'll by don't
2: try to do it alone.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, don't try to do it alone. And what I'm hearing is you're valuing all these other people that you are surrounded by, and so in valuing them, it's almost like you're reflecting back to yourself. Your own value and the value of your vision. So awesome! That's what I was hearing there.
2: Well, so- absolutely, and I think so. And to add to that, it's really sort of recognizing that I don't have to do it alone. Mm-hmm. And I've been fiercely independent my entire life, and it's got its downside too. And and um, recognizing that you don't have to do it alone, and actually, you shouldn't do it alone. And learning, and that comes down to everything from like delegating to you know, to, you know, it's one of those things we're told to do all the time. And then we're like, yeah, 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 but I can do it better. No, that's not necessarily the best way to do it. And it's something I advise my clients all the time, delegate as much as possible. So you can focus on your high value actions so that you can focus on your vision. But just because we know that we're supposed to do it doesn't necessarily mean that we apply it to our own actions. And so that's a piece I think that is really important to to really to be able to accomplish what you're passionate about and your vision. It's to focus on the high value actions that only you can provide and then to use your support network, whether it's your professional support network or your personal support network or both, Mm -hmm. to make that happen so that you don't fall apart in the process.
1: Yeah, beautiful. And I think that's uh, a perfect point to end on. I think, especially, I'm making, I'm drawing a conclusion here, but especially wickedly smart women, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is, oh, I can figure this out. I can figure this out. And what we fail to recognize is every extra thing that we put on our plate actually diminishes our impact and our capacity to bring our vision into fruition in the most efficient way. So awesome, Heidi, what a beautiful interview. Thank you so much for being here with us. And uh, definitely folks check out uh, Heidi's body of work and we will put in the show notes where you can connect with her. Listeners, we love feedback. Please let us know what you thought of today's show or send in questions or guest suggestions to listeners at wickedlysmartwomen.com. We might even give you a shout out on the show. Thanks for tuning in. Keep your ears open and remember, you
0: are wonderful women. Thanks for tuning in, downloading, and listening. Be sure to review and rate Wickedly Smart Women on Apple Podcasts and share with other women who can benefit from today's episode. Wickedly Smart Women is the premier podcast series for informing, activating, and inspiring the leader who carries profound wisdom and knows that now is the time to welcome wealth. We welcome your feedback and guest suggestions and invite you to subscribe to our mailing list to be notified of each episode at wickedlysmartwomen.com.